On today's episode of the Weekend Wrap-Up, Austin and Wyatt kick off their new podcast by diving into the Crimson Tide's recent offensive and defensive coordinator moves. Then they talk about Nate Oates' contract extension and Alabama's 10-point victory over LSU on Saturday with Bama Central intern Blake Byler. This is the Weekend Wrap-Up, a part of the Bama Central Podcast Network. Welcome to the Weekend Wrap-Up Podcast, a part of the Bama Central Podcast Network. I am your host, Austin Hannon. You may be wondering, that's not Mason, and you're right. Beginning this week, Bama Central and myself are doing away with the All Things Bama Podcast and the On Campus Podcast, and instead, we will be releasing three podcasts a week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Therefore, I will be host on Mondays, Mason will be your host on Wednesdays, and Joey Blackwell will be your host on Fridays. Weekly, with me, will be Bama Central's newest intern, Wyatt Fulton, who's on the show with me now. So, Wyatt, before we get started, please introduce yourself to Alabama and Bama Central fans around the country. Hey, everybody. My name is Wyatt. I'm super excited to join on with Bama Central and assist them in any coverage and anything that they need. So, I'm excited to get started. Hope you guys will love me as much as you love everybody already on the shows. Yep. So, as he said, he's Wyatt Fulton. I'm Austin Hand. We're going to be doing this weekly every Monday. So, we're, we're kind of the, the, the gist of it's going to be kind of to recap the weekend, what happened, you know, give our thoughts on what happened. Um, and obviously this was a busy weekend. We'll go ahead and kind of start with it uh, Friday night. Well, I'm, I'm just going to touch on it just because Katie Windham's our gymnastics beat reporter, but it, it something monumental did happen. Number 11, Alabama beat number six, Auburn and SUNY Lee at Coleman Coliseum on Friday night. It was a big win. Um, SUNY had a perfect 10, I believe in the meet, but Alabama was able to overcome that um, and still take down the Tigers. Um, and that's just a good, good sign of things to come. Alabama beat Auburn in football. They beat, they might, they're still going to get to play them twice in basketball. They beat them in gymnastics, um, and we'll see what happens in softball and baseball moving forward. But first topic, Wyatt, I want to talk about and jump into is another thing that happened on Friday. Friday afternoon, Alabama hired Tommy Rees to be its new offensive coordinator here at the Capstone. He was the quarterback coach at Notre Dame for four years from 2017 to 2020. He was the offensive coordinator in 2020, 2021, and 2022. Uh, initial thoughts, I, I think there's been a lot of you know thoughts from – all Alabama fans about this hire. You know, there's been a lot of people that don't like it. There's been a lot of people that do like it. Um, I, I'm in the boat that does like it. Uh, I think Tommy Reese did a good job at Notre Dame. Obviously, he played quarterback there. And um, I, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, you look at the numbers that Notre Dame's offense had, and it, was, it wasn't it was a great Notre Dame team last year. Obviously, they, they started really poor. They had that loss to Marshall, uh, but they kind of got the season turned around, ended up making a bowl and, and all that kind of stuff. They averaged nearly 32 points a game, almost 400 yards a game. And you know, those are those are pretty eye-popping numbers. I mean, I know a lot of people were frustrated with Bill O'Brien last year, um, even though Alabama, the numbers were there for Alabama as well, and Bryce Young and 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 you know, everybody else that's on the offense. But he's out, he, he's back to the NFL. You know, you're bringing in a guy from Notre Dame, which I think the biggest thing to me was that, you know, like I mentioned before, Tommy Reese is a guy that played at Notre Dame. And so the fact that he was willing to you know, kind of drop that gig and come to Alabama and, 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 you know, coach under Nick Saban at a school that he didn't go to, you know, kind of pops off the page to me. And I, I think it's a good hire. What do you think, Wyatt? I like the hire from, like you said, the perspective of, you know, he did, he did good things with a, with the Notre Dame team that is known to underperform. They lost Tyler Buckner, the starting quarterback midway through the year. So their offensive approach had to completely shift. You know, he's a guy who is going to get back to the run game. He's a guy that's going to really scheme open the tight ends as well. Or Michael Meyer is a yes first round 
probable draft pick this coming year. And for three years, he was the bell cow of Notre Dame's offense. So for those, for the Bama fans that want to get back to running the ball, controlling the clock and controlling the game from the offensive side, we'll get back to that under Tommy Reese. I feel. Yeah. And, you know, I think that the meme kind of came out of the selfie he took with, with the hat that I think a lot of mm-hmm. Crimson Tide fans would like, um, you know, there's been a, there's been a big emphasis from fans that they want to see the ball ran more, but I think that the thing that, Bill O'Brien struggled with a lot was, you know, how do you run the ball when you don't have a consistent offensive line that's going to block for the run? Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was necessarily that they didn't want to run the ball with Jameer Gibbs or, you know, if we're talking last year, Brian Robinson, I don't think it was that. I, I think it was that the offensive line was not what he and Nick Saban wanted it to be. And in that case, you kind of had to lean on a star player like Bryce Young to kind of carry your offense. But yeah, I think Tommy Reese is a good hire. I think the, the the choices kind of dwindled a little bit down the stretch in this hiring process. And, you know, there was really nowhere to look. You know, he's like, can we obviously initial thoughts, which I think were a little bananas, were to go get Cliff Kingsbury, obviously, who was fired by the Cardinals um, and, and had success at Texas A&M as an offense coordinator back in the Johnny Manziel days. He's out of the country. I don't, I don't know if Saban ever got in contact with him or not about the position. He's not going to be the offensive coordinator. So you kind of can push that away and then, you know, who's next? And you go and get a guy like Reese that has experience at a high level like Notre Dame. You mentioned Michael Meyer. He coached up a great tight end. Going to be a first-round pick probably. Probably going to be a very good player in the NFL. And you got a new tight end coming in from Maryland, C.J. Dipper, the transfer. And so now you got fans excited about that. You know, can we can we work around the tight? I mean, Cameron Latu was a great tight end this year. Uh, I think very underrated. I, I don't think he got the credit he deserved a lot of the time. Uh, I've said plenty of times to, you know, my coworkers and, you know, fans out there that I thought Cameron Latu was probably the most consistent pass catcher on the team last year. And, you know, that's saying something because he was nowhere near the most talented, but it just kind of worked out that way. And for that, I think he's going to end up having a good, a good career in the NFL. But, um, you know, did you, did you really think that there were any better options out there? I mean, Tommy Reese, obviously, I don't think anybody was saying that and when Bill O'Brien first left, but you know, were there any other options out there that you thought, you know, Saban and the Crimson Tide would have given a little bit more of a thought to? Obviously, you know, I'm not in I'm not in the building. I'm not, you know, in Malmore Athletic Facility with with Saban here in these names. But I know a big fan favorite was Garrett Riley out of TCU yes. right out of the bat there. And it only the noise only seemed to grow louder as TCU, you know, stayed undefeated, was a couple plays away from an undefeated run into the national mm-hmm. championship. But uh you know, I don't think Garrett Riley was ever realistically a re- like. I don't think he was ever a realistic candidate, just because you know he was already getting head coaching talk, and then of course he took the Clemson job pretty early into the coaching, the little coaching hunt there. And so, I think Garrett Riley was not really a realistic name. Uh, Grub from from Washington, I saw was on mm-hmm. was on campus at one point interviewing and doing some research into that. I think he was more. He was more of that pass-heavy style of offense. The run running the game wasn't going to be as good as I think it will be under Reese, just because that's just the way the Pac-12 plays ball. They, Absolutely. They like I mean, you watched we watched we watched Michael Penix like break records for Washington all year. I mean, they were they were throwing the ball all over the field. Yeah, I mean, I was yeah, I watched the game of Oregon and Washington, and it was just touchdown pass, touchdown pass, touchdown pass. Like nobody's. Defense. We don't know what defense is, but you know right. we're having fun out here. Yeah, I I think it's a good hire. I think fans will soon realize it. I, I think at the end of the day, what what I've been telling people is I don't think it matters that much. Um, as 
as poor, if you will, as Bill O'Brien was, this was still a team that lit up the scoreboard multiple yeah. times last year. Um, and a lot of times at the end of games, it was the defense, not the offense that ended up, you know, kind of blowing the game for Alabama. So I think regardless, he's going to come in here and he's going to have all the talent that Alabama has, um, which got to be like a kid in the candy store. If you're Tommy Rees, when you walk <laughs> into the, the athletic facility in Tuscaloosa and you're like, wow, these, you know, maybe not huge compared to, you know, Notre Dame athletes, but there's definitely more talent in, in Tuscaloosa than there is in South Bend. So um, I'm yeah. sure he's excited. And, you know, it takes a lot to leave your alma mater like that, that he played quarterback for for three or four years back in the day. So um, Tommy Reese is the new offense coordinator at Alabama. We'll, we'll we'll have more, you know, information on him and, you know, how the offense is going to do closer to, you know, August and September. But on the other side of the ball, Wyatt, we're not done. You know, Alabama, it seems like always has to clean house. As <laughs> Nick Saban says, uh, he's pretty good at doing it. Um, a lot of his coordinators get better jobs or they leave for the NFL or whatever it may be. He has to, you know, kind of replace guys a lot. And the same thing goes to the defensive side of the ball in a weird move, which I have my thoughts on. I, I, I don't know if it's true. I think Pete Golding might've been shoot out um, by Nick Saban, you know, after the season ended, because like I, I sent a tweet out and a lot of people liked it. Like nobody, nobody would think that a guy that's the defense coordinator at Alabama would leave to go to the same job at Ole Miss, but Pete Golding's a Mississippi guy, and so he did that. He's going to go be with Lane Kiffin now next year. So Kevin Steele's the big name, um, and he's been quite around the SEC for a long time. <laughs> uh, he was at Alabama in 2007 and in 2014. He was the defensive coordinator in 2007, which was Nick Saban's first year. He was the linebacker coach in 2014 when the Crimson Tide had some pretty good linebackers. Um, he's currently Miami's defensive coordinator. I This is, this is where I flip a little bit. I, I think Kevin Steele... Um, not to use kind of a you know kids language, but the wash, the wash term that people use to describe athletes. I, I don't know how much his scheme has been working recently. I don't think Miami's defense was good last year. I mean, just looking at the numbers, they they were giving up, you know, a lot of points, Wyatt. I mean, they, <laughs> let's just be honest, they weren't a good football team, really. And you know, you you can't put all that blame on him, but I, I just I don't know if this is the right option. You know, he's been around the SEC, which I think Saban definitely likes. Um, you know, he's had time at Auburn, he's had time at Tennessee and LSU. Um, and now he's been down in South Florida for, for a couple of years. W- what are your thoughts on Kevin Steele and, you know, what he could potentially bring to this defense that's going to have a lot of new guys in there? I think Kevin Steele, of course, Nick Saban loves to have, you know, the defensive coordinator coach or inside linebackers. And so whenever I first heard Steele, my thought immediately went to, okay, how is he going to use Deontay, Launce, Deontay Lawson, you know, Jihad Campbell and those linebackers on the inside there. And I think he'll have them as a little bit better run stuffers, I would say, than maybe we've seen the past couple of seasons from our linebacking core. But I don't, I don't know. With the way the the SEC and everything and the way offense is moving nowadays, you almost need coverage linebackers instead of run stuffing linebackers. Or you need guys – or you at least need guys that can do both. So I, I did watch a good bit of Miami this year, and they just – their defense didn't inspire a ton of confidence in here and that he's his name is now in our coaching search. They weren't horrible. Uh, they gave up 28 points a game, which <laughs> if you say that number around Alabama fans, they're not going to like that. They don't like yeah. giving up 28 points. They don't like giving up 378 yards a game like Miami did last year. But, you know, you, sometimes you just got to hire somebody. And I know Saban knows him, and I think that's always been a big thing with Saban is he wants his defensive coordinator to be a guy that he knows. He knows well. He's been around him. He's seen him coach. He doesn't like, and I, I think that's why people really thought that he might go with the Georgia guy, the young Georgia guy that's kind of under Kirby Smart a little bit. I, I 
That's what fans wanted. I think that he was, he's maybe thinking that's a little too risky just because he's not as proven um, as a guy like maybe Steele is. But at some point, you know, you're taking a risk on Tommy Reese with a young guy like that. So I, I think maybe getting a youthful defensive coordinator might be a good move as well. I, I will see there, obviously there's no, the report was just that, you know, he's being interviewed for the position or he's talking with Saban or yeah. he's, you know, in the running, there's no really official report that he's going to be the defensive coordinator, but it's kind of the first real name that we've kind of seen Saban really dive into and, and have come to Tuscaloosa in interviews. So um, the search is going to continue, obviously. I mean, we don't know exactly who the defensive coordinator is going to be. I personally believe that this is a downgrade from Pete Golding. So, um, you know, I, I'm not Nick Saban, but I, I think if you move on from Pete Golding, who was an improving defense coordinator by the year, we saw him kind of get better and better each year um, since people were calling for his head after that old Miss <laughs> game in 2020. Um, I don't, I think Kevin Steele's going downwards. I think Golding was going up, Steele's going mm-hmm. down. Uh, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So that's it for football right now. I mean, there's not too much going on, obviously around college football we had national signing day which was pretty quiet obviously because early signing day is kind of the thing now um, in college football but defense coordinator still open offensive coordinator no longer open tommy Reese will be taking over there contracts we're, we're talking about contracts we're going to switch sports um a big sigh of relief came from alabama basketball fans on friday as nato's decided to sign an extension through 2029 it's six years $30 million, $5 million a year. I believe that makes him the fourth highest paid head coach in the Southeastern Conference. He's He told us in the press conference he's intending to stay. Um, he says he loves it in Tuscaloosa. He loves that his kids like it here. His wife likes it here. He likes building up this program that he has the last three years, three years moving into his fourth year now. Um, you know, he intends to stay. Do you believe that, Why? I mean, obviously this offseason there were rumors about him maybe going to Louisville. Um Obviously, there's been a lot of comments about, hey, I think his dream job might be up in East Lansing at Michigan State, where he started with Tom Izzo. Is Izzo going to retire soon um, or in the next six years? Is NATO going to be in Tuscaloosa for a long time? Do you believe that or do you not believe that? I definitely I think NATO is in Tuscaloosa for most definitely the foreseeable future. I believe the exact quote from his press conference was, uh, my kids have moved enough. It's time we need to set. It's time we settle down and get established somewhere. So. I mean, if you're if you're quoting stuff like that, talking about your kids and your family, I know they all do it, but yeah, it, it's got to mean something. And you know, the extension is great. I love that Nate Oates is making is getting what he's worth. But the the to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, an extension is a promise from the university, not to the coach, not right. the coach to the university. So it does increase his buyout, which I think would be helpful. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned but, that he said because he kind of talked about that point you're saying right now on Friday where he kind of said, I, I kind of know that you guys are going to say that, like it's he, it's them giving me a contract, not me giving them one. But at the same time, he said, we made the buyout high so that if you know someone was trying to get me out of here, it would be hard for them to do so. So I think mm-hmm. the fact that he said that, you know, kind of makes me believe that he wants to be here long-term. But at the same time, you know, I, I you want to believe him. And I maybe that's the fan and, you know, Alabama fans. But I don't know. I, I want to say he's going to stay, but... You know, if, you know, this is until Nick Saban leaves, this is going to be a football school. And, you know, as much as people want to say, um, you know, I mean, Alabama's absolutely been spectacular on the basketball court this year. But everybody knows mm-hmm. when you think of Alabama, you think of Nick Saban and you think of football. And if you're a basketball coach in college basketball, you don't your first priority is not to be at a school like that. It's to be at a school like a Kentucky, a Louisville, a Michigan State, where 
all the focus or at least the majority of the focus is on basketball. Um, yeah. I, I think the arena, you know, people are saying the arena is a big, a big part of that. He talked about the arena on Friday as well, saying him and Greg Byrne are still kind of in the talks about how it's going to work because prior to COVID and inflation and all the stuff that's going on, it was kind of a plan that we looked like to be set in stone. Um, you know, they had dropped the the pictures of the arena that the fans loved and, um, you know, kind of decided where they maybe wanted to put it on campus. And then COVID hits, inflation hits, the prices have just skyrocketed. And so now they're kind of back at the drawing board and kind of looking for donations from, you know, boosters and, you know, what they can do to make this happen. But, you know, he, he kind of says that the, the arena is not really about him. He says he can do his job. The players can do their job just as well at Coleman Coliseum. He said, mm-hmm. you know, the arena would be great, but it's more of a thing for the fans because they kind of have everything they need at Coleman Coliseum. It's more, you know, because the baskets in the court aren't going to change. It's kind of the fanfare and, you know, how the arena is set up and everything like that. So, you know, the on the arena part, you know, do you think that's an important part for him to stay here long term? I definitely think it is just because everybody, you know, the the fan aspect of a game is, you know, I do think it is overhyped a little bit, but at the same time, you know, sticking the student section in the top corner versus having the student section line three quarters of the court, it can mean a lot. And especially in a big game like we saw against, you know, when LSU was at home, uh, Vanderbilt the other night, you know, getting those types of games at home and being able to have these big environments, these big games, and really use the crowd to affect the other team and especially their shooting, I think it's definitely an important thing. You know, home field advantage is real. There's a reason we talk about mm-hmm. it. And so a new arena – Better quality, better design, I think is definitely would definitely help in the idea of Coach O's wanting to stay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing about, I mean, just what watching and, you know, now covering Alabama basketball for so long, you know, as a kid, you know, just dreaming of making NCAA tournaments, just never really being able to get over the next step, always being in the NIT or not at anything at all. Um, you know, you go through Godfrey, you have Anthony Grant, you have Avery <laughs> Johnson, and you got like my in my lifetime, like one or two tournament visits. And, you know, steps in Nate Oates, my freshman year of college. And now you've seen Alabama win the SEC championship times two, two years ago. And they're well on their way to doing the same thing this year. And just I mean, just four years. So it, it's been absolutely. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just dramatic, dramatic change here in Tuscaloosa with the basketball program since he came in from Buffalo. He He mentioned it in the press conference that it's kind of crazy, you know, as a high school coach, which is also just crazy. His story just blows my mind every time he kind of talks about it, you know, was a high school math teacher. Everybody knows that. Um, he said he was paid about four and a half thousand dollars a year to coach his high school basketball team up there in Michigan. Um, and now he makes four and a half million dollars a year to coach it at a giant <laughs> school like Alabama. So it's like, he, he kind of reflected in that press conference a lot, like how far I've come from just being, you know, a kind of a poor little, math teacher high school basketball coach to where i am now um getting to wear these nice suits and you know get to coach a giant school like alabama and you know have a top five team in the country it's just a a dramatic change in his life and really in the lives of all alabama basketball fans so um for now he's extended through 2029 obviously saban's currently you know age willing he's he's connected here till 2030 um so the programs are in good shape obviously if you listen to the outside noise people might tell you the football program's not in good shape Trust me, if Nick Saban's in Tuscaloosa, it's in good shape. Uh, the game on Saturday, Wyatt. We got we got to talk about the game on Saturday. Um, me and Blake Byler went down to Baton Rouge, watched the game. Initial thoughts: I I I thought it was kind of a sloppy game. You know, it, you don't you can't 
expect to win by 57 every night, obviously, um, which we were treated to on Tuesday against Vandy. <laughs> um, but you go on the road. LSU is not a good basketball team. They had lost nine, now 10 in a row. You go on the road, though, and you win by 10. And I, I think, you, you know, Brandon Miller doesn't play well. Um, but you have other guys step up, which is which is very important. We'll talk about that a little bit. But your initial thoughts on the 79-69 win for the Crimson Tide. I will say it was prettier than the other SEC game we had to watch uh, that, <laughs> yes. that morning. You know, that was uh, yes. not a great game between Auburn and Tennessee there. But, 46 you know, to 43. <laughs> and we crossed we crossed 46 points you oh. know with 30 seconds to go in the first right. half so right. yeah it was great uh but no I, I definitely it was a very sloppy game anytime Brandon Miller gets in foul trouble and isn't playing well at the same time it's you know you start to think okay here we go it's it's the Alabama basketball of old you know we we start off hot we slow it down we get punched in the mouth coming right out of halftime and then just we can never get we can never climb back but that is one thing I will commemorate uh, Coach Oates on is that he has figured out how to get them to respond. He has figured out how to take a punch in the mouth and punch right back. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. And me and me and Blake were talking about it. Even I think LSU got the lead down to two, you know, at some yep. point in the second half. But I don't, I didn't really ever feel like Alabama was going to lose that game. Like I, I was like, okay, if LSU gets it down to one or two, we'll just go hit a three and, then we'll push it back out to eight and then we'll push it back out to 10 and it'll just be fine. And that's kind of what ended up happening. Um, The last seven and a half minutes of the game, no field goals for Alabama, which is nightmare. I mean that you can't, you can't go nearly half the second half without a basket. They did. But what happened was prior, prior to this game on last Saturday, you give up almost a hundred points in Norman to an Oklahoma team that's now lost two in a row, which I mean, (laughs) <laughs> it's just it's just crazy how college basketball works. But you you give up almost a hundred. You come back. You give up only forty four to Vandy. He was obviously adamant on the defensive end all all week in practice. And then you give up just six points. You didn't make a basket, but you give up just six points in that final seven and a half minutes to kind of hold off LSU. I mean, if this was any better team, you know, we'd probably have a different result. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 huge that you can win it on defense. Um, and they did that, you know, we got big, big performances from Namari Burnett, who's really starting to come on. Rylan Griffin had a great second half, kind of led Alabama's offense in the whole second half. Um, and you know, you just kind of have to find your way to win games in the conference. You know, you're not always going to, it's not always going to be pretty. Um, obviously you want to beat LSU, a, a bad LSU team like that worse. Um, and you know, you beat them by 40 at Coleman Coliseum earlier in the year, but it's a road game and it, it, the crowd wasn't electric, but a road win's a road win, and you'll take that. They got Florida on Wednesday night here in Tuscaloosa. That'll be the next game before heading to the jungle to take on the Auburn team that we were just talking about that scored 43 points on Saturday against Tennessee. Um, well, it, it, the, the, the engines are kind of revving up for that game on Saturday, Wyatt. I think both fan bases kind of feel it. Um, you know, you got Florida first, though, and, and I've seen on Twitter today people kind of talking about how – we don't need like obviously the Iron Bowl of basketball is coming up, and obviously everybody's yeah. excited, and um, the college game day is going to be there, and so all this stuff. But you got a good Florida team coming in on Wednesday, um, and they fought really hard, lost at Rupp on Saturday night last night. Well, this is coming out Monday, so Saturday night. Uh, the Colin Castleton's playing great basketball. Florida was kind of on a little winning streak there before losing um, to Kansas State and now Kentucky, but. 
Are you worried about Florida at all? You, do you think this team's going to be looking forward to the Tigers on Saturday? Or, or do you think that they'll come home and, you know, kind of take care of business against the Gators? They're, Florida's a very underrated team this year, I will say, coming right off, coming right out the gate there. To be able to go into Tennessee and do that, great job by that Florida team first off. I do think, like you said, Iron Bowl of basketball, you know, Auburn is a self-proclaimed everything school. <laughs> Alabama's, you know, top four Right, number four with Purdue losing could be ranked top three again in the country coming into coming into the Iron Bowl of basketball. And so I do think Alabama is going to be I do I think they start slow. You know, Twitter will Twitter will do its thing and they'll overreact and they'll call this Oklahoma part two. But but like I said at the start of you know kind of our little basketball segment here talking about the LSU game. They'll get punched in the mouth, and then they'll Coach Oates will have them will have them right. I could definitely see a big game from uh from Ryland Griffin just because he seems, especially lately, he seems to be hitting those shots that we need exactly when we need them. He's hitting threes, you know. LSU cuts it to two. Ryland Griffin makes a three, and you see the Alabama sideline just explode. So I definitely think Florida is not a team they need to overlook, and I don't think they will over the course of the game. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. I told a bunch of people, I think that this team, you know, in, in the past, Alabama teams would drop a game like this. They would have dropped a yeah. game like they did on Saturday. Um, but this team's different. And I, I think this team's going to continue to be different. I think they'll win on Wednesday against Florida. It's not Alabama basketball if you're not if you're not talking to Blake Bowler. All right. That's just a fact. And so without further ado, he's on the show now. He's been quiet. We've had him in the waiting room, but we're going to release him now. Blake. You wrote, you write your story every week, your half court, your full court press, not half court. He doesn't do half court presses. He does full court presses um, and he, where he drops his takeaways. So Blake, and instead of writing format, we're going to do an audio format. You know, your biggest takeaways from this, this game on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, first of all, how's it going? How are y'all doing? Good. Um, Great. Doing good. The biggest thing that I had, the biggest takeaway that I had, Firstly, was just the emergence of both Rylan Griffin, why you're just talking about it, and Namari Burnett. Um, I don't know how much y'all have touched on it so far, but over the past past two games for Burnett, since he's really become comfortable after uh, coming back from his wrist surgery, and really the past probably two, two and a half weeks for Rylan Griffin, they both just slow, slowly um, emerged as like key contributors off the bench for Alabama. Um, their shooting has been unbelievable, and the confidence that they both played with has been unbelievable. Uh, Burnett, the last two games against uh, Mississippi, not Mississippi State, Vanderbilt last week, uh, he had the pull-up three at the top of the break. Um, that w- He just stepped into it and pulled it. He had a couple of shots against LSU where he had just an inch of space, and he was completely comfortable pulling up. Uh, and then with Griffin, if he like he's pulling everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, Me and Blake laugh every matter. time because – if he catches the ball, it does not matter if the guy's hand is on his face. He's shooting it. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't matter how much space he has. He's going to pull. And so just the confidence that both of them are playing at and the level and the clip that they're making shots at gives Alabama two more weapons off the bench that they haven't really had up to the point to that point this season. Because, like, they had had Burnett for as long as they had, even though he was shooting well before the injury. That was so long ago. Uh, and then with Griffin, with the rate he's making threes, he's hitting 40% of his threes in conference play. And then so is Burnett in a much smaller sample size of the last couple of games. Uh, so my biggest takeaway from the game was just the emergence of the two of them and how, uh, like, Coach Oates even started both of them in the second half because yeah, of did. the 
um, effort that they were giving. Uh, Namari, we know he's a great defender. And then Griffin, uh, he gets lost a little bit on the defensive end. But just what they provide offensively, that spark and just their ability to shoot the basketball is huge. Yeah. And your your fourth takeaway was, you know, kind of what or third takeaway, I should say, was kind of what I did a story on on Saturday it was we, we and White already talked about it was the seven and a half minutes at the end of the game when Alabama couldn't make a yep. shot. But at the same time, they weren't giving up points. So um, the the ability to do that, the ability to win the game down the stretch, even when you're not making anything and that it wasn't just Brandon Miller missing. Everybody was missing for that last half of the second half. And that's huge in games like this. That's huge in games down the stretch. That's going to be huge in games in March. Shots aren't always going to go in. I mean, an eight oats coach team, that's what you think it, it is, is that it's going to be a team that just makes every shot, but they just, they can play on defense and they can rebound the basketball. And, you know, that is so important. And so we'll see what happens down the stretch. Blake Byler, he's always got the basketball coverage. Um, and it, we'll, we'll, we'll have more from him on Wednesday night against Florida. Blake, your, your initial thoughts on that Florida game. Well, Florida's a good team. They've lost their, like, what, six and four in the SEC? Just lost to Kentucky uh, the other day. But previously to that, they lost three SEC games by one possession each. And so they've been right there in a lot of games. Um, I was looking at Ken Palm earlier today. They have a top 10 defense uh, nationally, defensive efficiency, but their offense is, I think, outside the top 125. And so um, it's a little odd because Todd Golden is a coach that, um, it's kind of like Nate Oates in terms of he really loves the analytical side of basketball. Um, but they have Colin Castleton. He's one of the best bigs in the entire SEC. Um, if Betty Ako doesn't come to play, which we've seen before, uh, he could give Alabama a lot of problems underneath. But at the same time, Betty Ako's had a pretty good game the last two games. Um, and we also saw what he did against Oscar Sheway uh, about a month ago when Alabama played Kentucky. And so – um, I think I heard you talking earlier about maybe looking ahead to Auburn. I think Alabama, this team's going to be excited to play Auburn, but especially coming off an LSU game where Oates was vocal in the press conference, not just in the locker room about being disappointed with the effort uh, on the defensive end for much of the game, aside from that last seven minute stretch, as well as being out rebounded. Um, I don't really anticipate um, them having a lot of issues. I think with it being a home game, energy in the building, unlike in Baton Rouge when it was maybe 50% capacity. Uh, I think they're going to be ready to go. And I I don't think Alabama will have much trouble taking care of Florida, though if they come in and play poorly and they're not ready to go, that's a team that can definitely give them a run. Yeah. That's Blake Byler. Um, Alabama and Florida will be at Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central time, I believe, um, on ESPN2 before heading to Auburn down south in Alabama to play the Tigers on Saturday. Um, thanks, Blake, and thank you, Wyatt. This, this has been the first episode of the weekend wrap-up here on the Bama Central Podcast Network. Um, until next time, I'm your host, Austin Hannon, here with Wyatt Fulton. We'll see you next Monday. Mm-hmm.